Dr. Diane M.D. This is a show that is designed with you in mind. The goal is to inform and inspire you to a healthier, happier, and more inspired life. I am your host, Dr. Diane A. Thompson, M.D., and it is my pleasure spending time with you on this broadcast with the goal that perhaps you may learn something new that may take your health and or your life to a higher level. I want to thank you for joining me again this week, and thank you for your continued support as this show continues to grow. As you know, Health Talk with Dr. Diane MD is syndicated and available in various markets. For more details and show listings, please go to my website at drdianethompson.com. And while you're there, please sign up for updates. You can also find me on facebook.com forward slash Dr. Diane A. Thompson. We have a very active Facebook community and we welcome you there. And of course, I am on Twitter and the handle is at Dr. Diane MD. I want to remind you that the information presented in this broadcast is for educational purposes only and is not intended for diagnosis or treatment. Please seek the advice of your healthcare provider before making any changes to your health. All right, so we all need this to survive and do our best. And for some people, it's not easy. Yet according to the CDC, many of us are having trouble getting enough of it. This it is sleep. And actually the CDC says that insufficient sleep is a public health epidemic. And it is a problem that I, myself, is working to overcome. So actually, this, this show will provide a lot of information from me as well. And this interview is going to be a two-part interview on your sleep health. So I recommend you join us this week. And of course, follow us and listen in next week for the second part. And we're going to look at factors that contribute to not getting enough sleep, the negative effects of sleep deprivation, and most importantly, we're going to get some solutions for you to help with your sleep problems. To help us with this, we have two wonderful guests. Terry Crawley is a registered nurse and a certified sleep health professional who's based out of Washington, D.C. And we also have Dr. David Brown, who is a sleep psychologist from Dallas, Texas. They actually have an upcoming book called Sleeping Your Way to the Top. That's an interesting topic and uh, an interesting title, I should say, rather. And uh, it is said to be the ultimate sleep help tool. Terry and Dr. Brown, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you, Diane. Pleasure to be here. All right, so I, I am very curious. I mean, how did you get involved in this, this whole sleep health field? And I guess I will ask Dr. Brown that question. Well, I attended graduate school at the University of Texas Southwestern Medical School in Dallas. And at the time, they had uh, recruited one of the world's experts in sleep. And this gentleman gave a lecture my second year in graduate school on sleep, and I was absolutely fascinated by it. And I approached him immediately to do my dissertation in sleep, and I have spent my entire career studying sleep and treating sleep disorders. Ah, and Terry, how did you get involved in this? Well, I am a registered nurse, and I've been in the nursing profession for many years, and that's just one of the topics we sort of never touched upon in the field of nursing. And I had the opportunity to meet Dr. Brown through a mutual friend years ago, 
and he invited me to one of his sleep clinics to observe and to see what sleep was all about. And I was hooked from day one, and I was just fascinated. I watched, um, I did watch a patient trying to sleep through the night that was suffering with um, severe sleep apnea. And all of a sudden, I realized that this is a very important problem, and a lot of people didn't know a lot about it. So I thought I would jump in and get involved and help educate the public about the importance of sleep and more, you know, get out more information about sleep disorders. Well, thank you both for doing that. And Terry, I, in my former life, was a registered nurse before I went to medical school. And you're right. In both trainings, there was never really a big focus on sleep, and yet we see that it is so important. Now, Terry, you mentioned that you are a sleep health professional. So just tell us, for someone who's out there in the general public, like how do they benefit from your service? What exactly would you do for them? Well, I do. It's the certification I have is certified um, professional in um, clin- clinical educator in sleep. And what I do is get you know talk to people about sleep and how it affects every part of their lives in terms of education. And we learn we know a lot about diet and exercise, but the triad of health is actually sleep diet and exercise, and they're very interconnected. So I do a lot of talks and a lot of um, presentations on how the three work together and we can't ignore sleep and just address diet and exercise since sleep affects both of those. So for the complete health and wellness picture, we have to address each aspect um, in, in, in tandem and, and together since they are interconnected. And I, we can't tell people to go lose weight and go to the gym and address that if they're exhausted or if they have an underlying sleep disorder or they're simply not getting enough sleep. And the same holds true with diet. You know, we emphasize weight loss, but if people don't get enough sleep, they are going to crave high-fat and sugary foods and, and not be able to lose that weight. So I spend most of my time educating the people on putting them all together and really focusing on sleep equally. Now, one of the things, as I mentioned at the top of the show, this is one of the things I struggle with is getting enough sleep. I generally feel like I have so much to do and I, I do them <laughs> by losing sleep, which is not a good thing. I'm very much aware of that. And so, Dr. Brown, I wonder if you could share with us what exactly is the function of sleep? Why do we even need to do it? Oh, that's a great question, and unfortunately, a difficult question. You know, sleep medicine is a relatively new field. Uh, We have learned a tremendous amount of sleep about what sleep is and why we do it over the last 50 years. But we still sort of remain in this ticklish position of not knowing exactly why we sleep. Um, There are a lot of theories out there, and we think it is critically important because the organisms go to so much trouble to get it. You know, in the course of a lifetime, if you live to be 90 years old, you'll spend about 30 years of that time sound asleep. And the average two-year-old has spent more time asleep than awake. We don't know why the body has to be offline. I mean, this is a dangerous thing for humans to do, which is completely cut off from the environment, and you're totally vulnerable during this time for eight hours every 24 hours. And there have been some theories 
for example, uh, humans don't see well at night, and so maybe this was a mechanism to keep us in a safe place so that we're not wandering around at a time when we're most vulnerable. And it is true that babies tend to be born at night, the theory there being that hopefully the mother will be close to home at the time the child is born. But that doesn't really seem uh, to capture why we have to be completely offline from the environment. Other theories include that it's a way of conserving energy, but as Russell Foster at Oxford University has pointed out, that compared to somebody lying quietly in bed versus somebody asleep, the sleeper saves only about 150 calories. That's the equivalent of a hot dog bun. So it also seems unnecessary to be offline uh, to conserve energy. Um, marine mammals. Marine mammals can sleep with half of their brain at a time so that they don't drown, and virtually every organism sleeps. So we think it is fulfilling some primary function that we have yet proven what it is, but a lot of the data now is showing that sleep may be critically important for maintaining neural integrity of the brain. Uh, the way that we wire our brain during critical developmental phases can be negatively influ influenced by sleep deprivation. Uh, it also seems to be important for our emotional functioning. Virtually every psychiatric illness has a sleep component associated with it. It's important for memory, concentration, learning of all kinds, and as uh, Terry has just pointed out, it has a basic metabolic function as well. We know that it's related to insulin resistance, glucose tolerance, and obesity. So we're getting some clues, but we still at this point can't say exactly why people have to sleep each night. Wow. And, you know, it's, it's, it is quite interesting because we clearly know when we don't get enough sleep that we have a problem. So uh, we know this is something that's important, yet I don't put it at the forefront as I should. And I think the society in general doesn't seem to place as much value on sufficient sleep. Why do you think that is, Terry? I think we've had a bit of a stigma in our culture. And I'm not sure if it's due to the Protestant work ethic or the, <laughs> you know, we, we equate sleep with laziness on, on so many levels. And we've had very successful people in our society brag about how little sleep they need or you know we have people that say oh gosh I worked late and got back to work early and I don't need sleep I can power through it and it, it's sort of an unusual attitude if you think about it I mean it's a biological need it's not something we can pick and choose you know and it's it's something that we have to have yet people just don't respect it and I think people, I just had a, a driver take me to a hotel recently from an airport, and he was bragging to me that he'd been up and driving for 19 hours straight. And, you know, he was very proud of the fact that he didn't sleep and didn't need any sleep. And I thought, well, that's so unusual because he's probably very impaired, and sleep deprivation produces impairments that are similar to alcohol impairments. When people are very sleep deprived, they they have a lot of trouble functioning. Yet we haven't acknowledged this in our society that there's a very um, worrisome downside to sleep deprivation, and we have valued um, working through it, powering through it. Um, people bragging they just don't need much sleep when we should 
we should turn that around. Um, we've had, I talk to people who say, well, I send my child to bed early as a punishment, or they have to go to bed early, or they get to stay up late as a reward. So, you know, we're, we're putting sleep into a, an odd sort of category <laughs> of it's either being dismissed or, or looked down upon on some level, which we, we would like to turn that around and, and very much, you know, work toward changing the way we look at sleep and the need for sleep. I would like to turn that around myself. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, and, and you are correct. I've, I've seen where people at the top of their game, like that's one of the things they'll say, you know, I, I don't sleep a lot. I'm up all the time working. And so it almost gives that lack of sleep or not needing to sleep, it makes it very sexy and appealing. And, you know, if you sleep a lot, then as you said, perhaps you're, it's, it's associated with laziness. So what we're going to do, we're going to take a short break for our sponsors. And when we get back, we'll discuss specifically some of the negative effects of inadequate sleep. So we will be right back. Do you want to learn how to live a healthy, happy, and inspired life? Then listen to Health Talk with Dr. Diane M.D. Thursdays from 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on Atlanta's Incredible Radio, 1570 a.m. WIGO. Listen to Health Talk with Dr. Diane M.D. for tools and strategies to live a healthy, happy, and successful life. For details, go to drdianethompson.com. That's drdianethompson.com. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Dr. Diane A. Thompson. Welcome back. If you are just joining us, you're listening to Health Talk with Dr. Diane MD, and I am your host, Dr. Diane A. Thompson. And you are listening to part one of this two-part interview on sleep health. We're highlighting sleep deprivation. We're looking at the ill effects of this. And we are going to help you later on in the show to find some solutions with your sleep problems. Now, just before we went to break, we talked a little bit about uh, why we think it was important for people to sleep. And uh, Dr. Brown, you, you sort of mentioned some of the important things of sleeping, and I wonder if you could talk specifics for those of us who are out there not getting enough sleep, and as I said, I'm, I'm very guilty of that, and it's something I'm working on. Talk about some of the specific negative effects of inadequate sleep. Okay, well, to add a little bit to what uh, Terry was talking about is that um Sleep deprivation is, in many respects, similar to alcohol intoxication. In fact, they have done comparative studies where they compare people that are drinking alcohol with people that are staying awake. And if you're awake for 18 hours, your impairment level is equivalent to somebody with a .05 blood alcohol level, which is legally intoxicated almost everywhere. And by 24 hours awake, your uh, impairment level is equivalent to a 0.1 blood alcohol level, clearly at the intoxicated level. And so sleep deprivation does impair your ability to function. It changes reaction times. That's pretty obvious if you're staying up 24 hours at a time. But what a lot of people don't realize is what we're looking at now is not total sleep deprivation, but chronic partial sleep deprivation. And what that means is you may still sleep every night, but you're not getting uh, the optimal amount of sleep every night. 
And sleep loss is cumulative. What that means is it begins to build up over time. So if you need nine hours of sleep, you get seven uh, hours tonight, you're going to function pretty well tomorrow. You're going to be two hours sleep deprived. But let's say you don't get but seven hours of sleep for the next five nights. You're going to have missed 10 hours of sleep. Um, An entire night's worth of sleep will have been missed, even though you're sleeping every single night. So this chronic partial sleep deprivation also leads to impairment levels. And a study by David Dinges at the University of Pennsylvania recently showed that with two weeks of sleeping less than seven hours per night, at the end of two weeks, uh, these subjects were performing at a level equivalent to somebody who had had no sleep at all for two days. But the frightening part about this study was that they didn't know they were doing so poorly. They thought they were doing perfectly well. So one of the reasons that I think people don't take sleep seriously is even though they are clearly showing some impairment, they feel like they're doing fine. And it's only when uh, you can look at it objectively that you realize, you know, people really aren't performing very well with chronic sleep deprivation. So it affects learning, attention, memory, concentration. Uh, It's critically important in children. Uh, You know, when children get sleepy, they don't say, okay, I'm going to go take a nap now. They get fussy, they get irritable, and in fact, they may get hyperactive. And not all, certainly, but some of the ADD or ADHD that we see in childhood uh, can actually be a sleep problem, that they're not getting an adequate amount of sleep during the night. That's true of adults as well, that we may not have ADD or ADHD, but we tend to be more emotional. We tend to take uh, more risks. Uh, We are less logical. Uh, Matthew Walker at Berkeley University has clearly shown that if you're learning something, the best thing you can possibly do after you've learned it is to sleep, that sleep will put that into long-term memory. And it's almost as if... After we've learned something, when we sleep, the brain keeps rehearsing it so that we get better as we're sleeping on whatever we have learned. And this is true not just of facts, but of golf swings or tennis strokes or um, reaction times. Uh, Sleep is just what helps us put things into the long-term memory. Uh, We can talk a little bit later, but we now know that sleep is critically important for, as I mentioned, insulin resistance and glucose tolerance. If you take healthy young men and hold them to four hours of sleep per night in as little as four nights, you can measurably change their insulin resistance and glucose tolerance and put them in a pre-diabetic state. Um, The number one health problem that will be facing the world soon is going to be diabetes. Uh, It's it's really growing incredibly rapidly. And we now know that sleep is at least one of those factors associated with the development of diabetes. It also, as, as Terry talked about, it changes two hormones, one called leptin, one called ghrelin, which are important for our uh, appetite and metabolism. And it makes our body think we need more carbohydrates than we need and it makes it more difficult to lose weight. So it has a lot of basic functions. And sleep, sleep touches almost every aspect of, of your functioning. Um, everything you are trying to do in life is easier if you're getting an adequate amount of sleep. 
Do you want to learn how to live a healthy, happy, and inspired life? Then listen to Health Talk with Dr. Diane M.D. Thursdays from 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on Atlanta's Incredible Radio, 1570 AM WIGO. All right, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Health Talk with Dr. Diane M.D., and we're talking today about sleep health, and my guests today are Dr. David Brown, who's a sleep psychologist from Dallas, Texas, and Terry Crawley, who's a registered nurse and certified sleep health professional based out of Washington, D.C., and they have an upcoming book called Sleeping Your Way to the Top. Now, Dr. Brown, you mentioned something you threw out a earlier eight hours of sleep and so I wonder what is adequate amount of sleep in terms of the number of hours and is it unique to different people because someone may say I only need six hours and someone else uh, may sleep for 10 hours a night so is there a number that's the appropriate number of hours to sleep well that is a great question and there's not a great answer um there are two schools of thought on this, but, but basically sleep need does change through the life cycle. Children need a lot more sleep than adults. Um, but uh, Mary Kerskadden at Brown University has studied teenagers at length, and she's very specific about our teenagers need around 9 hours and 15 minutes of sleep every single night to function optimally. And I defy you to find many teenagers that are getting anywhere near 9 hours and 15 minutes of sleep every single night. Uh, there are only two really objective studies for adults, and both studies were remarkably close. They said that adults need about eight hours, 8.15 hours, and the other one came out 8.16 hours. And so this old adage that we need eight hours of sleep is probably pretty close for adults. Now, like most other things, it does follow a bell curve, which means some people can get by with less sleep and some people need more sleep. You know, Thomas Edison scoffed at sleep. He said it was a scandalous waste of time or a criminal waste of time. Um, however, if anybody visited Edison at his lab, they usually found him sound asleep at his desk. Uh, Albert Einstein said he needed 10 hours of sleep every night to do mathematics. And so there is a range on this, but I think the problem is that most of us need roughly eight hours of sleep, and we have too many short sleep wannabes, meaning a lot of people think they need less sleep, but as I've already talked about, when people begin to get impaired with chronic sleep deprivation, they don't realize how impaired they are until it may be too late. And are there any negative effects of too much sleep? If you look at uh, mortality curves. It's a U-shaped curve. What that means is that short sleepers and very long sleepers have higher mortalities than people that are in the seven to eight hour range or seven to nine hour range. We don't know why that is. We can certainly talk about the short sleeper having problems with possible diabetes, obesity, maybe some uh, other medical problems causing that. The long sleeper is a little more difficult to account for. However, these studies are huge studies, and they don't take into effect sleep disorders. So people that have things like obstructive sleep apnea actually do sleep longer, but they're not getting the beneficial effects out of sleep because the apnea itself is disrupting the sleep. So at least some of these long sleepers that we see on these mortality curves 
may have an underlying sleep disorder that's gone undiagnosed. Well, Terry, how does a person know if they're getting enough sleep? Well, they should ideally wake up feeling refreshed and restored every morning. And unfortunately, many of us have just lost our baseline feeling of, you know, we've, we're sleep deprived, we've, we've not prioritized our sleep, so we don't wake up <laughs> feeling restored and ready to go. And I tell people, if they typically sleep a lot extra on the weekends, that's a sign that they're sleep deprived. And one, one good exercise is to take a week and sleep an extra hour for one week as an experiment and see how you feel after that week. A lot of people, I've challenged a lot of people to do that, and at the end of the week, they (laughs) keep that extra hour in their sleep schedule because it feels so much better. I think that's a great point, Terry, but a lot of people will tell you if they oversleep, they feel worse. But that's true primarily of people that are sleep-deprived and they're doing catch-up sleep. And Terry's point of doing it for a solid week it has to be consistently that you can make up that sleep and uh, you will notice that you start to feel better. Mm, and, and, of course, I've been guilty of that. I've <laughs> tried to, you know, when I don't sleep long enough during the week, I'll say, well, I'm off the weekend, I'll just sleep in. And you find that this is not a good idea, correct, Dr. Brown? Well, I think, it, I think it is good to try to make up for some lost sleep, but a, pe- a lot of people are under the impression that, okay, I will get sleep-deprived during the work week, and then I'm going to catch up on weekends. And the problem there is it leaves you in a constant state of flux, and you really can't make up long-term sleep loss over a single weekend. And the problem may also come that, you get dangerously sleep-deprived before you get a chance to catch up. Um, You know, falling asleep driving your car is a near-death experience, it's a near-homicidal experience, and it truly has to be treated that seriously. That uh, during the course of the work week, I mentioned that sleep loss is cumulative, it will build up, and if you are dragging by the end of the week, you could get yourself in real trouble before you get a chance to catch up. And I don't think two days over the weekend is enough to catch up. Plus, I think it gives us a, a false sense of security, you know, like I, I can make this up on the weekend. So <laughs> It does. Yeah. And there was a study done by Tom Wurr at the National Institute of Health where he looked at healthy young men and it, they did not have any sleep problems. The study was that he was trying to look at what sleep was like in pre-industrial America. And so he forced these young men to stay in bed, in a dark room, in bed for 14 hours a day, every day for 30 days. It's a tough experiment. Uh, but what he found, these, these young men were averaging about seven and a half hours of sleep per night. And the very first night, they started sleeping around 13 hours. But it took them three solid weeks. It was only three weeks later that they finally plateaued at a little over eight hours. And so these young men were getting only 45 minutes less sleep than they needed every night, but it took them three weeks to catch that up. That's the myth. You cannot really catch this up over one or two days. All right, good to know. All right, so we are actually going to end part one of our interview today, and we're going to continue 
this interesting conversation on sleep health. And so for you, the listeners, you will join us next week for the second part of this interview where we'll once again have Dr. David Brown, our sleep psychologist, and Terry Crawley, a registered nurse and certified sleep health professional, and they'll continue to talk about sleep health. Uh, As I mentioned, they do have an upcoming book called Sleeping Your Way to the Top, and they see this as uh, the ultimate sleep help help tool. All right. So we will see you guys next time. I'm going to leave you with a quote. And it says, children are happy because they don't have a file in their minds called all the things that could go wrong. But, of course, we adults have that. And this is by Marion Williamson. So thank you for listening. Remember to join us next week. And remember that your health is your wealth. So please do something healthy for yourself. Until next time, everyone. You have been listening to Health Talk with Dr. Diane M.D. on 1570 AM WIGO. Please tune in every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the best in inspirational health information. If you have missed any part of this broadcast, would like to find out more about Dr. Diane A. Thompson, or would like to receive her ebook on stress, please go to drdianethompson.com. That's drdianethompson.com. And like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash drdianeathompson. Remember, your health is your wealth. So do something healthy for yourself. Have a great evening.